We continue on in the account that Luke has given us as to the ministry of Jesus. We are going to watch this morning as Jesus goes about calling Peter and Andrew and James and John to become the people we know them to become. When you consider who Jesus is, when you consider how Jesus had the opportunity to call anyone, right? Of of all the people on the earth, Jesus could have come at any time in the earth's history. He could have come in all kinds of different time frames and time periods. He could have gone to various nations. He's going to arrive as the very son of God. He has at his disposal, of course, anyone that he wanted to, that he could have recruited to what he was doing. The fact that God would send his son into what we call the first century, of course, because that's the century he came, that he would show up here in this fishing village on the Sea of Galilee, and that from that pool of people, of all the people on earth, that time frame, that group of people, he's going to take a guy who is a regular working guy. He's not, he's not some great person. He's not someone with some name that everyone's going to recognize that owns some enormous fortune or has some great skill or ability or teaching or learning. or He doesn't have any of that stuff. He's a hard worker, but he's just a regular guy. What we want to observe as we look at this passage in Luke 5, 1 through 11, we want to look at, yeah, Jesus is going to do a miracle, but so many other things involved in this situation are pretty normal, as normal goes. So Luke opens the account with this. Now, it happened, and of course, I mean, Luke says that, but we all know, right, this is Jesus, so nothing just, as it were, happens. It appears that way to everyone. But this is the plan of God. So it happens that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, this is the, it's known by a variety of things, the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. Um, this, is, this is the lake down there, if you've seen a map of Israel. Uh, Jesus, by this point, as we've mentioned a couple of weeks in a row, but just to make sure, Jesus has been in ministry probably closing in on a year now. Since the time of the baptism of John, since the time he, has, he left John, he went into the wilderness, he came out of the wilderness, went back to John. He's already talked, he's got some disciples, they, eh, we'll see in a second here, that they are maybe more or less following him, but not like they need to, not like it's going to happen by the time this passage is over. So, He's left there. He went down to Judea. It was the first cleansing of the temple. And he came back. He talked to Nicodemus, the woman at the well, those kinds of events. He's now been here in the Galilean region. And he's been preaching and teaching and doing all kinds of miracles. He's cast out demons. He's done all of this stuff. Now, we know that Peter and Andrew and James and John are aware of who Jesus is. This, this account, as we see this, as Jesus is about to, and I assume you're all familiar with the account, he's about to get in Peter's boat, and he's going to back up a little bit, and he's going to preach to the people. He, he, Peter knows who Jesus is. Peter's well aware of who Jesus is. 
And Jesus knows who Peter is, of course. But when they go to pick a new apostle, remember in the book of Acts when it's time to replace Judas? And they say it's, it's necessary that we get someone. They lay right out there in Acts chapter 1 exactly what they're looking for. There's only about 120 people there. This is just before Pentecost. They've got 120 disciples. And Peter says it's necessary that we find someone of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us. Verse 22, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up. So they've been with Jesus. They, they have talked to Jesus. They have listened to the preaching and the teaching of Jesus since the baptism of John. Many months have gone by since the baptism of John. In fact, when he goes down here and he talks to them, there is a, a similar account. It's kind of interesting to look at. Back in Matthew and Mark, they both record this account. Matthew records it in, in chapter 4. And it's a similar account of Jesus talking to these guys and trying to get them to follow him. And they do. Um, they, it, it's similar to this one in that they fished all night and they haven't caught anything. And Jesus comes along and he talks to them. But it's clearly not the exact same account. Because in Matthew, Jesus is going to call them and then it's going to be three or four chapters later before he talks to, he heals Peter's mother-in-law, which is, of course in Luke is right there. He heals Peter's mother-in-law and then goes on and has this account. So they're not the exact same account. But they're similar. In, in that account, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, and they're casting nets into the sea because they're fishermen. That's, that's not happening in the Luke account. And he says to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they follow him. But apparently, apparently, despite that, they end up going back to the boats, which is not surprising, right? Even after the death of Christ, and his resurrection. Peter still says, well, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm going fishing. And so they all pack up and head back out of Jerusalem, and they head back to Galilee, and the next thing you know, Peter's out there fishing with Andrew and James and John. And Jesus actually has to show back up on the shore, very similar to the event we're going to look at today, and, and calls them and says, hey, have you guys caught anything? Like, oh, no. Throw your net over on the other side. They do. They get this big thing of fish. And, and remember, somebody says to Peter, hey, I think that's Jesus. And Peter's like, oh, you're right. And he dives off and swims to shore. And that's the account where Jesus has to look at Peter. And I think clearly referring to the fish, has to say to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? He's talking about the fish. And, of course, Peter asks, like, oh, Lord, you know I love you. you know? But three times Jesus has to ask him, I think because Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. So we've got to deal with that. We've got to, we've got to get that fixed. Very similar to this account. And I think when that account occurs, Peter thinks back on this account. This is where Jesus actually calls him to become the apostle Peter. This is the moment that that event is going to occur. So Jesus has already talked to him. Jesus has already got him to follow him once. To, hey, hey, come on. And probably for that afternoon or whatever, they do. And Jesus is only in the Galilean region. It's not that big. And the, the Sea of Galilee is right there. And there's, there's lots of cities around the Sea of Galilee, about 250 or so. 
But when the family's like, hey, where's, where, the boat is just sitting out there. Where's Peter? Oh, he's following Jesus. Well, go get him. And you can imagine that the family goes and gets him. And the next thing you know, Peter's back doing the fishing thing here again. And that is what happens when Jesus shows up here in Luke. So they've all gone back to the boats. It's, I mean, come on, you know, it's the boats, right? We know how to do this. We're good at this. We're familiar with this. This is, this is safe. This is secure. Yeah, we went out with Jesus. It was exciting. We watched him do all this stuff. But really, you know, we're fishermen. That's, that's who we are. So we're, we're going back to the boats. And plus, it's the family business, right? I mean, everybody in the family is involved in this. So. Well, Jesus is not going to let that lie. Jesus knows who they are, and they're not fishermen. He knows who they are. He knows who we are. He knows what we are capable of, which is a whole lot more than we think we're capable of. We tend to just think, well, I can't really do anything for God. Really? Really? Just wait till we go through this passage and just kind of watch. So he sees two boats lying at the edge of the lake. The fishermen that got out of them are now washing their nets. Um, the Sea of Galilee is, in fact, a lake. It's eh, 13, 14 miles long, give or take, somewhere in there. It's seven or eight miles wide. Uh, the first time when I saw the Sea of Galilee, I actually made it over there. You stand there and you look at it and you think, sometimes I thought it would be bigger. It's really not that big. I mean, you can stand on one side and look right over on the other side. In fact, you can get up. If you don't get up very high at all, you can kind of like see the whole lake. It's about, at its deepest point, 250 feet deep, which... I mean, obviously, that's a lot deeper than I'd like to swim down. But as lakes go, that's really not all that deep. It's plenty deep enough, though, for there to be lots of fish. And in fact, there are plenty of fish. The boat is probably somewhere in the vicinity of 20 to 30 feet long. It would have been one of the larger boats on the lake. Peter's running a commercial fishing business, right? We're going out here, and we're catching fish. So the nets that they're working on... You may have seen the, the picture. It's kind of a famous picture of the guy standing. He's in water oh, up to his knees or ankles, you know, and he's, he's, you know, he's flinging the net out, right? And the pitcher has the net going. And it's maybe five or six feet around. It's got little weights on the end of it, you know, and it spins and lands and hopefully lands on some fish. And, you, you know, you can catch them and pull them in. That's not the net that's being discussed here. This is a different kind of net. It's a different Greek word. The net we're talking about here is a is a professional commercial fishing net. This is a 25, 30-foot boat, and this net is commensurate to that. This is a big net. This thing is, who knows, 10 feet across. It's maybe 20 feet long. It's got heavy weights on it. Uh, the net itself has a natural buoyancy to it, and we need to make sure this thing goes down into the water. We're going we're gonna to go send it down, and we're going to catch fish with it, haul it back up. And we're cleaning it because, you know, algae and plants and who knows what, you know, sticks and all kinds of stuff get caught in this thing, and it's heavy enough without that. So they're over there, they're, they're cleaning it and make sure it hasn't torn anywhere, and so that's, that's what they're doing. These are deep water nets. Um, so... They're over there working on that, and they've been fishing all night. They've been up all night. So, you know, kind of throw that all into the mix, right? And here comes Jesus. He shows up, 
and he's going to get back into the boat. And when he gets in the boat, uh, Peter, you know, would you be so kind as to get me away from the crowd? He's, Jesus is trying to teach the crowd, but they're just, they're just mobbing him. They want, who knows what, healing. They want to touch him. They want to, and it's gotten to the place where he can't even teach because the press of the crowd is, is just, you know, he's, he's probably standing in the water. Like, okay, time, to, uh, time to, to get a different platform here. So he gets on Peter's boat, and Peter, and because it's a big boat, Peter and his crew get on the boat, and, okay, so here we are, we're on the boat, if you take me out just a little bit, and Jesus preaches to the people. He's gotten into the boat, which is Simon's, and, okay, Peter? He's got this guy on the boat. Peter is clueless as to what is about to all go down here. Jesus is not. Jesus is at work in Peter's life. Jesus is about to do something that is going to make Peter's life never the same again. It's often in the everyday that God is working, and this is exactly what's happening here. Please stop cleaning the nets and mending them for just a second and, and, and get in the boat. I need you. Okay. Jesus knows that he's already asked them to do this once, to follow him. And, you know, they've gone back to the boats. It's okay. Jesus shows up. He loves them. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's, he's all of those things that we would expect Jesus to be. And although it may appear random, this is not random. This is how God works. He takes the normal, everyday circumstances of our lives and he enters into them. And the next thing you know, we are doing amazing things for God. Now, he's going to call Peter to full-time service. That's not implying here that everyone has to abandon their business and enter full-time Christian service. That's, it's not necessary to do that. But Peter, it is necessary to do that. Peter is kind of an all-or-nothing guy, right? If you've read anything in the Gospels, you, Peter is either he's either doing it or he's not doing it. You can't do this halfway. That's who Peter is. Well, okay, we can't have you fishing. We need you to do something else with your life. God has better things for you. So here they are. They're in the boat. They're probably hmm, 15, 20 feet offshore, and they're sitting there, and Jesus is preaching, and he's preaching the Gospel, and where Peter has been using this boat to catch fish, Jesus is now sitting in the boat catching people. Jesus is gathering in people for the kingdom of God. The boat is being used to catch, but we're not catching fish now. Jesus is standing there using this boat to catch people and to bring them into the kingdom. Whether Peter is putting that together at all or not yet is He's probably not. I, I, I don't think that has really crossed his mind yet. Jesus, as they would well know, is a carpenter. He's probably a very good carpenter, probably one of the best carpenters ever. But he's not really a fisherman. I mean, you know, there's carpentry and then there's fishing. And so here's what happens. Jesus gets done speaking, and he says to Simon, hey, let's put this boat out in deep water, and I want you to let down your net for a catch. Okay, we love Jesus. He's a great guy. We believe from the baptism of John that Jesus is certainly a special person. We've heard his preaching. We've heard his teaching. We've even, he's even called us and we've gone and we've spent a day or two or however long it was with him. 
at our hearts that we're really fishermen, and he's not really a fisherman. So this is an interesting moment for Peter. Peter, as we know, is bold and brash and outspoken, and he thinks kind of highly of himself. In fact, the moment will come where when he finally gets, Jesus will say to him, look, I am going to Jerusalem. I am going to be arrested by the Gentiles and crucified. And it's like it finally sinks in. That It's not like it's the first time he said it. And when it finally sinks in, Peter takes Jesus aside and goes, that is not happening. Ooh, you have the nerve to actually correct God, huh? Yeah, that, and it doesn't go well, by the way. Jesus, of course, looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. You know, you, you're not speaking the things which are of God. But that's the kind of guy Peter is. Peter's a guy who just speaks his mind. And he's the captain of a fishing boat. Is he really going to do what this carpenter tells him to do? This is a moment where Peter needs to show great faith. Is he really willing? I mean, it's one thing for God to deal with the spiritual areas of our life, right? I mean, there's the spiritual part of our lives. You know, when we actually have a Bible open. You know, if we had a hat, we could put on our, you know, our our spiritual hat. We wear it when we come to church on Sunday, and, and we maybe we wear it for five or ten minutes in the morning when we do our devotions, you know. And, but we certainly don't wear that thing to work, right? I mean, we, we take that off. There's any number of times, you know, there's a, certain rooms in the house where, well, we just don't take that hat there, you know. There's areas of our lives that we think God doesn't, right? but you know what? God doesn't stay in his lane. God wants everything. And Jesus doesn't just want Peter to listen to his preaching and listen to his teaching and just kind of do what Jesus says in the spiritual realm. Jesus wants it all. So Peter, when Jesus is on your boat, he's the captain. And he says, let's put the boat out into deep water and we're going to put the net down. And by the way, we're going to put the net down for what? For a catch. We're not going to try one more time. We're not, it's not like, hey, throw the net out and let's see if something happens. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, we are going to take the boat out and we're going to put the net down for a catch. If you're Peter, you may very well be thinking, who does this guy think he is? I mean, I like him and all. He's a great guy. He's a marvelous guy. And his teaching is marvelous. And, and I'm thrilled that he can even argue the rabbis right down into silence. But fishing? Hey, this is my thing. I'm the fisherman. I'm the guy that's the captain of this boat. Huh? Should I let Jesus even tell me about this? Yeah. Yeah, you should. And that's all part of what's going on here, right? Jesus has control over every area of our life. It's not like we just have that religious hat you got, put that thing on and nail it to your head. Never take it off. Never. It just never comes off. There is no secular and sacred. This is, this is not two worlds. This is one. It's this one. We live in it. And we should do everything we do to the glory of God. If you're doing stuff that's not to the glory of God, stop doing it. If you're doing it and you can't do it to the glory of God, don't do it. Everything we do, there is no secular world and sacred world. There's just the world. And when we are in it and when we are serving, we are serving God. So whatever you do, I don't whatever you do, you can do to the glory of God. Peter could, have, Peter could have gone fishing to the glory of God, but God had better things for him to be doing. Whatever your job is, do it to the glory of God. It's okay. It's, a, it's all to the glory of God. So Simon, notice it doesn't say Peter yet. This is still Simon. Simon answers and said, well, Master, you know, 
We've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. I mean, okay. I mean, but if you insist, we'll, we'll let down the nets. Now, first of all, I mean, let's be serious here. I'm the fisherman. I know how fishing goes. You catch fish at night. When you're on the Sea of Galilee and you have a deep water net and you want to pull fish up, you go out at night. In fact, we've been out all night. That's what we did. We've been out all night long. And we're going to fix the nets and we're going to get some sleep and we're going to go out tonight and we're going to catch fish again. I mean, we didn't catch anything last night, but that's okay. The only time, you don't go fishing in broad daylight. The boat casts a shadow. I mean, fish aren't stupid, you know. I mean, they may not be as, as smart as you think. And again, maybe they might be. They, you know, if we put this thing out and throw the net in the water in broad daylight, we are never going to catch anything. I don't know. But, okay. And, by the way, we are exhausted. This net is heavy. We have big weights on this thing, so it will sink. And who knows how much rope we throw out. We're going to go out into the deep. This could be as much as 100 feet deep. We might take this big, wet, heavy net, put it over the side one more time, and, uh, you know, watch it sink down into the depths. And uh, every foot that thing goes down, it's got to come back up. And we've been at this all night. We've been throwing that thing in all night and pulling it back up. In fact, my arms are about to fall off. And I haven't gotten any sleep. We've been awake all night. Okay. Okay. You want us to throw the net out? Fine. One more time. Surely we can toss the net out one more time. Now, do you... There's no record that they grumble, by the way. There's no record that they actually, you know... Nobody says anything. This is what Jesus wants us to do. We're going to do it. We are going to be obedient. But Peter does say, you know, we fished all night and didn't catch anything. Here. Let me tell you, as the professional fisherman, I, I mean, I don't want to disappoint you in all here, but I don't think this is going to work. I mean, you might as well have just said that, right? So does Peter have any faith? Mm-mm, no, none. I, you know, I mean, this is not Peter walking on water, right? I mean, he will walk on water, but this is not walking on water. This is like, okay, all right, if you insist. And you know what? That's enough. It's, it's enough. All he has to be is obedient. That's all. Just do what God says. That's all. And whether you have great faith, I mean, you just need faith enough to actually throw the net over the side. That's all. Faith of a mustard seed. Not much. Just enough to actually do what Jesus says. Let's roll the boat out into deep water and let's throw the net over the side. It doesn't take all that much. In fact, gravity sinks the net. So getting it over the side is going to be the most difficult thing here. And we'll pull it back up and go, see, can't catch fish during the day. I mean, you know, we, we all know that's what's going to happen. But, I mean, if Jesus insists, we'll, we'll okay. Well, of course, that's not what happens, right? When you become obedient to what God says, though you may think it is mundane, though you think it may not work, though you're like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, okay, this is what the Bible says I should do. It does not really seem like the right thing to do at this time and this set of circumstances, but okay, if this is what God wants me to do, uh, I'll do it. You know what? 
It's enough. Just be obedient. Now, Obviously, Peter is going to grow into a guy who is a whole lot more than that. He's going to grow into a guy who really leans into it, who just aggressively does whatever God wants him to do. But, but if you haven't got to that place yet, it's okay. It's okay. Just be obedient. Just have enough drive to actually do what God wants you to do. And you will see God do amazing things. So when they did this, they, they do it. They throw the fish over the side. That's what they do. They enclose so great a quantity of fish. They catch so many fish, their nets start to break. So they signal their partners in the other boat, the guys who are still on the shore. And, hey, hey, get out here. And, and they come out, and they, we get both ends of the net going here, and they start pulling the fish out of this thing, and, and the next thing you know, both boats have caught so much fish that, that, we're, that we might sink or threaten, or we better get to shore. This is an amazing miracle of God. You just don't catch fish like this. this. This just doesn't happen. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, which is the other crew, they have now witnessed a miracle that is just astounding. They have never caught so many fish, ever. How are you going to react to this? What exactly... What, 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 When we read Peter's reaction, no one else in the Gospels reacts to a miracle like this. Nobody. Nobody has up to this point, and nobody will again. This is one of the things that makes Peter a very unique guy. Peter sees this, and he falls down at Jesus' feet and says, Oh, Lord, get away from me. I am a sinful man. What an interesting reaction to a miraculous event. Peter recognizes that I am standing in the presence of, I'm not sure he's figured out that Jesus is actually God just yet. I mean, there's, we'll see further in the Gospels that it takes a little while for them to firmly connect those dots. But he is convinced that he is standing in the presence of someone who clearly represents God. He's like, I am, I am sinful. I have seen a miracle, and I am now standing in the presence of someone who, uh, I don't even belong in the same boat with you. I need to get out of this boat. I, I need to get away. I need to back away. This is frightening. This is, this is fearful. You have done this miracle, and, and I recognize now that, I am unworthy to even be in your presence. His, his first reaction here is, please, go, go away. I, I, can't be in the, I, I can't be in your presence. It's terrifying. It's convicting. It, I feel horrible. I feel like, it's like I finally see myself for who I truly am, and I am a sinner. I have seen the very power of God right in front of me, and... It's terrifying, which that is a common reaction to people who like see angels 
And, you know, Zach, Zacharias will be fearful when the angel appears to him. Mary will be fearful when the angel appears to her. Isaiah, when he stands before the throne of God, will fall down like a dead man. Ezekiel, when he sees the throne of God, I, I fall on my face. It is this, this exact moment with this response, this response of I am a sinful person and I must, I need to back away from God. That is the very moment that God reaches out to us. That's the moment that the gospel actually works. That's the moment when God says, okay, that's right where I want you to be. That is the very place I want you to be. Now, you know, the wicked, the wicked want to get away from God too. But they only want to get away from God so that they can go find some place in the dark to do their wickedness. They're not, there's no fear of God before their eyes. This is when our eyes are opened to the genuine fear of God. And what it points to is that we are, and Peter's second response, sinners. We are we are sinners. We are unworthy to experience the grace and the mercy and the compassion and the love of God. We wake up to just how good God is to us. Prior to that, we kind of take God for granted. Well, of course, the sun rises in the morning. I mean, of course it does. And of course, the rain falls and we get food. And, and I mean, you know, it's, that's what God does. I mean, of course, I got air to breathe and ground to walk on. And we don't really awaken to the reality that Every breath you breathe is a gift of God. And any time God is tired of you breathing his air, you will stop breathing it. Any time God is tired of you walking on his ground, he will bury you under it. And we don't, it's not until we wake up to this with a genuine holy fear that now the gospel, we, we come to God. We come to God with this. And of course, we, first we run and then God reaches out. It's like, okay, no, don't, don't run. Come, come here. This is, the, this is right where I need you. You have now come to the place where, exactly where I want you to be. You're now humble. You're teachable. You're to the place where instead of being the proud, boisterous, hey, I'm Peter and I'm in charge and this is my boat and we'll do on it what we want. It is like, oh my goodness, what in the world was I thinking? Who am I? I'm not even worthy to be in the same boat with you. You take the boat. You take the fish. You take everything. I am unworthy. I, I just need to go find something else here. And Jesus is like, great. I've been waiting for you to get to this moment. Now, come here. Jesus doesn't let him go. When he professes this, because of his amazement, and, and what's interesting, all of them, right? Verse 9, for amazement is, had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. So James and John and, and his partners and Andrew. And, okay, what does it take to amaze a fisherman? Lots of fish, right? And Jesus comes to them where they are. Jesus says, let me show you a miracle that is going to move you. And there's lots of miracles Jesus could do. And they had seen Jesus do lots of miracles. They'd watched him cast demons out. They'd, they'd watched him uh, make the lame walk and, and cure leprosy. And I mean, Jesus has been at this for a while. But it's not until he does something that really hits them. It's when God is at work in their life. Which, by the way, God is willing to be at work in our lives. God is willing to do these kinds of things for us. If you've served God for very long, it's not, it's not like you had the gift of miracles, right? It's not like you can bring them at will. But if you, if you just acted obediently and trusted God and paid attention, 
you have seen amazing things come to pass. It's, it's just astounding. And that's because God is still at work in our lives. So, Jesus says to them, to Simon in particular, don't, don't be afraid. From now on, I got a new job for you. Forget catching fish. You are going to catch men. You are going to start throwing out the gospel. And you are going to start pulling people into the kingdom. All Peter had to do was just be obedient and suddenly God is using him and his life and is building the kingdom of God and is accomplishing enormous great things. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with Peter being a fisherman. That's, that's okay. That was his calling. That was the family business. It was, it was all good. But there was a problem. If I follow Jesus, I mean, he called me, but if I follow him, is he going to be able to take care of my family. I have other responsibilities. I, you know, I, I'm a fisherman. I got to provide fish. I, I, if I just leave everything and follow Jesus, is, is he going to be able to take care of me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what this miracle points to, right? Jesus is looking at Peter like, okay, Peter, you know, really? If we want to catch fish, you, you think I can't give you every fish in the lake anytime I want? I mean, of course I can. You think we couldn't just fill your nuts like this every time you threw them in the water? Of course we could. But guess what? There's more to life than fish. There's more to life than this. I got other things I need you to do. And here's what I want you to realize. When you come and follow me, you don't have to worry about the fish. There'll be plenty of fish. I guarantee it. I've taken care of that. You can walk away. And what's interesting is here is the greatest haul of fish they've ever had. And this is the moment that it says, when they brought their boats to land, they just left everything and followed it. Like, wow, I'm finally this great success at being a fisherman, something I, I, I aspired to my whole life. And finally, I catch the biggest load of my life. I and mean, it's so big, it's, it almost sunk two boats. And we're done. We're done. Why? Because God has called us. Because there are other things to do with our lives. Jesus wants me to follow him. So you know what? I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do whatever Jesus wants me to do. And whatever I need to meet my needs, Jesus is going to provide it. Whatever my family needs, Jesus is going to provide it. I am going to follow Jesus. How can I not follow Jesus after this? He wants me to follow him. He wants me to be a fisher of men. Here I am. Here we go. This is what we're going to do. This is what Jesus takes the small little faith that they had, just enough to toss the net over the side, and catches all those fish. And now Jesus comes back to them and asks them to take a, a little bit bigger step of faith. Where is this going to go? How is this going to end? They have no idea. They don't know. They don't. You know, Peter doesn't know it. All I know is I'm going to follow Jesus. Wherever that road leads, here we go. Peter sees himself as a fisherman. Jesus sees him as a great leader. Jesus knows that Peter is going to become a guy who can stand up in front of enormous crowds and speak the truth. 
Peter is a guy who is going to be able to lead and to stand before the very Sanhedrin and just look at them and go, should we obey God or men? You guys decide. Peter has no idea any of that's coming. He doesn't know how any of that's going to work at this moment. But he said, yes, I am going to follow Jesus. And that is all that God asks. Just determined to follow Jesus. We're not holding anything back. We're going to walk away from the nets. We're going to walk away from the boats. We're just going to walk away from it. We walk away. And from here on out, it's Jesus. It's all Jesus. And how'd that work out? And that's the whole point, right? We're going to watch the Gospels. We're going to watch the book of Acts. Luke is going to record for us the life of Peter. And it is an amazing life and a tremendous life. Why? Because he followed Jesus. Small beginnings, small determination, small decision, seemingly. Just throw the net over the side. Okay, okay. And next thing you know, he's traveling everywhere. That's how God works. That's how he works in our lives. So, determine. Determine to follow Jesus today, if you haven't already. Determine even more, even if you have. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for this record of the call of Peter and Andrew and James and John. You took guys who were just just regular folks. No great learning. No great education, no great connections, no great finances, no great anything. Just good, solid, hard workers. And they were willing to go to work for you. So Lord, may we learn the lessons. May we see what you're willing to do with those folks who are willing to do anything you ask them. So Lord, may we do anything you ask us. May we give our lives to you. And we give all that we have to you because you will take care of us. You can provide for us anytime we need your provision. So, Lord, may we learn the lesson from Peter and from Jesus, and may we serve you with all we have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.